Welcome to Sharing Plate, a podcast all about food and the role it plays in our sense of self, our sense of place, and of course, our sense of taste. I'm Laura Bishop, and I'll be hosting guests from around the world as they share their plates that connect them to home, wherever that may be, to their people, whoever they are, and to their own special memories. This is a foodie's journey that transcends generations and nations. So please, Come sit with us as we serve up recipes and stories. My mouth is watering just thinking about this melting pot of food that was created by love and unity. Shelley and I first met during Ramadan, when our mutual friend opened her home to people of all faiths and no faith to share a meal. It was at this iftar dinner that Shelley and I talked, talked, then talked some more about our love of food, what we're passionate about, the pleasure and comfort it brings. So I'm absolutely delighted that he's a guest here on Sharing Plates. Before we find out what's on the menu, Shelley, perhaps you could introduce yourself. Thank you, Laura. Honestly, first of all, thank you for allowing me to have this space uh, to just unpick stuff with you. I'm really excited about that. Um, So my name is Shell or Shelley. Uh, If I'm in trouble, it's Shelley. But if it's not, it's Shell. (laughs) And I've lived in East London. I live in East London. I'm really excited to talk about the journey around food and what food means to me. What are you bringing to the table first? What's coming to our sharing plate? Okay, so it's a really, really simple dish. It really is. It's so easy to make. Uh, it's called aloo puzzy. And aloo means potato, puzzy means sautéed. <laughs> it really doesn't get any more present than that, does it? <laughs> Trying to avoid your fingers getting chopped off. Fry your onions, your garlic, and then your potatoes. They're really thinly sliced. Okay. And you just saute that with some turmeric and some fresh chilies and a whole heap of love. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. Uh, My mum bought six of us up. So there were times when all we had was just this thing called alubhazi and roti. It symbolises for me now just togetherness, equality, love and family, you know. When I cook this at home now and for people, they love it. Like we're foster carers, my wife and I, and every single foster child we have have actually loved alubhazi. I think we've got enough onions. Yeah, we've got enough onions. So my mum was born in poverty and my dad was actually upper class. So he was actually a first secretary to the prime minister. Oh, my word. But then there was a war that left him out of the uh, Bangladesh community. So I was born there, lived there till I was five. I think my earliest memories I I remember are um, tadpoles. I think that was maybe three or four. I remember gunshots, a lot of gunshots. Yeah, I recall hiding, okay, on this ox-drawn cart. I recall going on the airplane. It wasn't because we had any choice. It was because it was either we did it or we wouldn't be alive. And then we were refugees in Switzerland, in Geneva, and we stayed there for a year as uh, refugees. Uh, while my dad, he was a diplomat now, so he's, he was travelling all over to get us settled, and we settled in the UK in 1976. What a journey. Yeah. 
the and summer of 1976 it was, I remember so that. So that dish came with you 100%. the whole way. Yeah. Second, I'm really intrigued to hear what goes second on our sharing plate because <laughs> that was an incredible dish. So I'm going to jump forward 12 years to when I was 19 and it's char-grilled peppers. I can smell the char-grilled peppers right now as we talk about it, honestly. And we're in our apartment in Turkey, in Bodrum, it's a late night and we want to eat and I can smell char-grilled peppers. Now, let me take you back to 1988. So I was in a relationship. It was my first relationship. Um, this was six months into the relationship. Things got really serious. And I, I'm, a, I'm really, really old-fashioned, Lara, <laughs> when it comes to like love and things like that. And my virginity, you know, it was really important to me. And it was something that I knew that I could only give once. And so I wanted to make it special. And so I took her to Turkey. That was a really special moment for me. What I will say is that relationship taught me a lot about relationships, okay? And there was some toxic stuff in that relationship. So because my blueprint around relationship wasn't great. You know, I came from a, a domestic violent background. So seeing my mum getting battered every day, being the eldest son, I'm a rescuer. It's innate. So I'd jump in and I would take the bit beats to shield my mum. My mum was four foot nothing, Lara. She really was, honestly. And um, so fragile. And yet the strongest woman I know, do you know? Not only have you fled war right. and then to have to deal with that once you land in what you deem is a safe place. Oh, I, I remember in Switzerland, you know, I must have been five and a half, six. My dad telling me to go and find my mum because he'd beat battered her and she'd run out. I'd find her yes. on the cars uh, in the morning or on the park benches because that's the only safe haven she had. You know, she didn't speak French. You know, she didn't speak English and so oh, forth. Goodness. So that continued when we came back, in, when we came into the UK in 76. And so my blueprint around relationships wasn't the best. Like this first ever relationship, she was really possessive. I had lost all my female friends because you know what? Because I thought that's what love was. The intensity was just crazy. I put up with that for a long time because actually... When you don't know what love is and you don't have relationships education, you think that's okay. So that's the dish, actually, because it's bittersweet. So it was a happy time. It was when a happy time. The dish when you could just smell yeah. grilled peppers. Yeah. So where were the grilled peppers? They were on a barbecue in a Mangal restaurant adjacent to our apartments. And honestly, we'd been out one night to the club or something, come home to the apartment. And we said, like, we fancy some food. And we knocked on their door and they opened the door and they actually just put the mango out and started, you know, barbecuing grilled peppers and, and, and other stuff with it. It's crazy. <laughs> this is 1988 in Turkey, in Bodrum, when, you know, tourism was just started to launch. So grilled peppers represents some really positive growth, okay? The intimacy, but also acknowledging that there are some different parts of relationships that you should be focusing on. Yeah, of course. You know? Two really different dishes, yeah. but similar in their simplicity. 100%. What are, yeah. we, what are we bringing next? Fried salmon, Caribbean salmon. style. Yeah. Caribbean yeah, style. Yeah, Caribbean style. Caribbean fish, basically. I, mean. I love cooking, but not for me to eat, 
just on my own. I like cooking to have people around the yeah, table. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, that's really important to me, man. It's uh, it's just says this is how I kind of feel about you. My second mother, her name's Pat, Mummy Pat. Mummy Pat. So Mummy Pat is what is my best friend's mum. And so I had a relationship, started a relationship with Mummy Pat in 1985. Mummy Pat's coming up to 80s now, and she's still my mum, and I still go and see I her. Food is a way of connecting. Mummy Pat, what was I like? Looking back now, I can see why his image was shy, um, unloved, as it were. I would say now, that's what I saw. Absolutely. I was 17 at the time and at an age where we're trying to figure yourself out and trying to come up with your identity. Sure. Right, you got to remember, like, East versus West was going on, right? My mum was obviously all about the East, all about the culture, all about the religion. I'm about, come on, man, I'm 17. I want to, you know, I want to live life, I want to experience life. want to party. Life. Absolutely, yeah. do you know? You're in the East End of London. 100%. Yeah, of course. You know, I think, I think we need to be aware that there needs to be some kind of actual anchor to your kind of culture, but let's also be quite liberal-minded and be open to other cultures too. Absolutely. In the Caribbean, food is communication. Everybody, you come to visit, there's always food. You know, we always sat around the table. It was as he was afraid of eating mm. because it was new to you, yeah. sitting around with the family. Mummy mm. Pat, I would say, is, is the woman that shaped me and the purpose that I have. She's a therapist. She's also worked in the health and social care and she would just listen to me, you know, talk about my identity, talk about what was going on for me, you know, and just kind of get me to understand a little bit more about who I am and so forth. I couldn't have those conversations with my biological mum and I could with Mummy Pat. I just did what was natural. Mm. It's my family. That's why I call her Mummy Pat, mm -hmm. you know. She's my family. Can't get rid of him now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting the flour ready for the salmon, fried salmon. So I marinated this fried salmon yesterday with all-purpose seasoning, some black pepper, and just let that just sit in there overnight. So now you're just rolling all of the pieces of the fish? Yeah, I'm just getting it ready. In so the flour? Yeah, yeah. Is the salmon Mummy Pat's dish? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And I love Caribbean cuisine. I just love the simplicity, but also the complexities. It's a melting pot. The depth of yeah. the flavours. Absolutely. There's, yeah. there's African in there. There's Asian infusion in there. There's Chinese fusion in there. It's, it's incredible. I really think it's so much history there, you know? So I, I love it, honestly. <laughs> the oil is just at the right temperature. You want it quite crispy, but not overly crispy. Um, but don't want it undercooked either. Okay. Can you remember the first time you ate your grilled salmon at Mama Pat's place? It was Christmas and it was the uh, early 90s. And uh, again, all of us sat around the table and Mummy Pat has an array of dishes. And I think I, I learned that from Mummy Pat, to be honest, that you don't just have one dish on there. You have uh, several different dishes. Sharing plates. Yeah. And sharing love. Yeah. You know? Always. Mm. So you can imagine that. 
like just one of the dishes around the dinner table at Christmas time, right? So when I first was exposed to that, I was like, wow, this is good stuff, man. <laughs> How'd you cook that, Mum? What does cooking at home mean for you with the family? Depending on the background and the sort of exposure that a child's had, for some, cooking and, and the cuisine is really important. For some, it's just a survival thing. For some, it actually means identity. For some, it means I miss my mum. So one foster child we have, we'll research her, the Algerian dishes. She's also got Jamaican in her, so we will also research that. I bet and we'll you're cook an absolute that. pro at that. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> no research needed. No. <laughs> You've got your absolute back catalogue of, yeah. of Mummy Pat's no, dishes. 100%. And so for her, food means depth. Food for her means attachment and longevity for, for love, right? Food is it's love, isn't it? 100%. You know, a lot of time you put into the, make the preparation of food and the making of food is is love for the people that you're creating that dish for. Laura, honestly, you really, really just made me go really emotional right there. You really have, because you know what? You're 100% right. My mum never told me how she loved me. But did she cook you amazing She cooked. Food? She said, what would you like to eat today? Yeah. And she'd cook it, and she'd stand over me and she'd say, how was that? And I'd look at her and I'd say, that was amazing, mum. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's the culture she came from, where you don't express or articulate Love, but her way of showing yeah. that was through the dishes yeah. that she put in front of you 100%. and your siblings, and that's what I do now. The only thing is, I actually tell people I love them too, <laughs> and I hug them. Right? Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell I'm not a fast cutter. And it's really interesting, right, because I see other people cooking and uh, really fast with the onions, and I used to be like, wish I could do that. I don't anymore. This is my pace, and I'm okay with that, do you know? Do we have anything else coming yes, we to have. this plate? Again, it's a really simple, simple dish. It's dal, okay? Okay. So lentils, right? Um, my, I love my mum's lentils, and I also love my um, my best friend's mum's lentils, and she's Pakistani. So I have a fusion, like I cook dal in a fusion way. I did the dal earlier, right? Because it does take time, the dal. But what we're going to do is the, the next bit of the dal that um, is really crucial, and that's when you just fry the onions, the garlic, and the uh, fenric seeds, okay? And then you chuck chuck it all back into the actual dal. Now, why this is really important to me, dal, is because I survived on dal for a whole month when I went backpacking in India. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, dal. That's right. I'll have dal. Yep. Now we've kind of almost caramelised our onions, garlic, red chilli and fenric seeds. We're now going to place it. Now that's a sound that brings back happy memories. You know? <laughs> so dal reminds you of that time when yeah, you were backpacking yeah, around India. Absolutely. <gasps> and I'd ended with a girl that I'd been with three years and I just kind of needed to get off and just kind of find myself. So I took a month out to just kind of discover who is Shelley Khalid and... How can I rely on him? What do I know about him? Because I didn't know really much about him because he was too busy. 
protecting everybody else. Do you understand? Yeah. And so this was a real journey of self-discovery, really understanding what my values were. And it's really interesting because then I went to Dharamasala, okay, which is oh, up north, fantastic. right? 100%. Yeah. I didn't know about the Dalai Lama, mm. Lara. I didn't know about yeah. meditation. I didn't know who he was. So this is the universe telling me back in 94 that you're going to learn about meditation you're going to understand what mindfulness is, that you're going to really understand the power of kindness and that people misinterpret that as weakness, but you need to know as a leader in your community, in your work, at home, that kindness is power, do you know? And did you know when you were up there that obviously that Tibetan community is in exile? They're in exile. I knew that they were in exile, yeah. right? And because uh, I and read about that. what a journey that. for you, because obviously you were also, to a certain extent, in exile from 100%. your homeland. I was in exile from my homeland, but I was also in exile from who I was. Of course. You know, and I needed to find a stable ground. And I've kind of walked, you know, India, North India, looking for that. And I have found, I found it. I came back different. I got rid of my fast car, got a smaller car. I love that. I, I got rid of the fast car. Yeah, man. <laughs> I just got rid of all that yeah. materialistic stuff that actually doesn't bring you joy or fulfillment. You know, I started to actually love me, really discover me and find out that actually I'm, I'm okay. I'm good enough, you know, because when you, when you come from like a, the background that I have from, you know, when you have adverse childhood experiences, you forget the the goodness and you just constantly look at all the badness and the people like my dad, what he'd say, you know, that I would amount to nothing and so forth. And you start believing, do you understand? I do. So it was a really, really, really powerful, powerful trip uh, India. I feel like cooking sometimes a bit like meditating when you're on your own. Absolutely, it, it is. It's being present, isn't it? Because you know you have to be working with the oil, the heat, and the spices. And the only way you can do that is by being present. Your dad made that choice to return to Bangladesh, mm -hmm. and you uh, and your siblings and your mum all stayed here. Social care took us away from my dad, because if they didn't, my mum would have been dead. So I came home from school one day and the neighbour said, social workers taking your mum and your siblings, here's the address. And I walked to this table that I'd made in school. It's interesting, it was a table, right? Yeah. And I walked this ceramic wooden metal table that I had made to this new house two miles up the, up the road because that's where social care had put us in a safe house. And do you have any recollection of when the last time you sat at a table or had food together with your dad? You know, no one's ever asked me that question. I never even thought about that. But you know what, Laura? I've never sat down with my dad. You've None never eaten us, with him? Never, because my job was to take the plates of food upstairs and then knock on his door and say, your dinner's here, dad. And then I'd have to go or I'd have to wait till he finished. He never sat around the table, which is why it's really important for me to sit around the table. So did you eat with your siblings and your mum? Yeah. Okay. And so when my mum and dad got divorced, um, we sat as, as a family, as a, as a unit, in safety. Do you know? I get this feeling that every story in your life has a connection <laughs> to food, which yeah. is wonderful, you know. Is there anything else coming to this sharing plate? Yes, I, I'd say the, the last 
piece now, really. Um, it's a national dish in Nepal, right? Well, it's not even a dish. It's like a dumpling. It's the Nepalese dumplings or momos. Yep, yep. And it's really important to me, this one, because actually this is how I kind of met my wife. Okay. Yeah. In Nepal? In Nepal, no, in, in the UK. Okay. But I think... Like over dumpling, over dumpling, yeah, hundred percent. So, we, like, we knew each other from online on Facebook, right? So, I do a gratitude post. Eleven years I've been doing it. It was at a moment in my life when things were really low, and I remember just being in my bed on my own, okay, with my quilt over my head. And I didn't want to get back up. I really just hit rock bottom and I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I thought about taking my life. I'm not going to lie to you, but I couldn't because I had a daughter, mm. Jen Stand. Right? Yeah, of course. And I figured, look, what can I do? Right. And that's when I thought about gratitude. I thought I need to stay focused on what I am happy about, what I do have in my life as opposed to what I don't have. And that's when I started the one thing I am grateful for today. And I've been doing that for 11 years Is now. Is that a Facebook page? It's a Facebook the page. The one thing I'm grateful for today. Right. I do it on my Instagram, Facebook and so forth. And my wife, she started to read my gratitude post. And so we started talking and then we said, let's meet. And we met and she knew I was going to Nepal in December and the first place that she actually said we're going to go to, that she booked in for, was a Nepalese restaurant in South London with this dish that they specialise in. That's wonderful. It's so powerful, honestly. That's the, that's the power of my wife. She's very kind, considerate, thoughtful, do you know? You've travelled all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, you've had the freedom to do that. But the first big journey that you made was out of necessity. Tell me what travel means to you now. So, you know, I, I talked about hearing gunshots and things like that. I, I recall that even now, honestly, as an adult. It's such a deep memory. It really is. Mm. Making that journey that was a necessity and then growing up and having the actual freedom and the first opportunity that I got to get a passport and go, I went. So, Shell, when you travel... Do you ever find that people are surprised about who you are and do they see one thing and, and expect something? 100% yes, because when you go to places like India and, you know, even Mexico, right, people think you're indigenous. So then when you say, look, no hablo español, right, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you start talking English, they're like, you're winding me up. But then they really see, actually, no, this guy, and you say you're from England, the UK, it takes, you know, a moment and then, yeah, it's really powerful actually to see that. And I think it's a really powerful thing for people to actually also acknowledge that, you know, we have the stereotype that being British means you're a certain image when actually being British means being diverse. But you've travelled us all over the world with these beautiful dishes, but who are you? I am someone who fleed the war in Bangladesh, then sought refuge in Switzerland and then came to the UK. I'm a British Bengali man who's been found. I came as a lost boy and I, and I found my roots here, but I've also got roots in other parts of the world. I'm a global citizen, if I'm gonna be really honest, but my home is here in the UK. 
Sharing Plate is a Wattsware Media production and is presented by Lara Bishop. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed listening to Sharing Plates, please help us out. Like it, follow us, share it and tell a friend.